Your hair is uh, much longer than the last time I saw you. Thank you. Yeah, it's it's grown out like quite a bit. Um, I felt like I was in like an awkward stage for a long time. Yeah. And just I feel like just last week I started getting comfortable with it. Like, You're like oh, this like, is a good length. Yeah, because before I had the undercut, and so when I decided, I was like, I think I want to grow everything oh, it's, it's out. Super awkward because it's just yeah, like this part. growing out the undercut was so weird, especially on the sides and. Uh, I've always wanted to try to do long hair since I was like, even when in, in high school, I tried multiple times, but I could never get myself past the awkward stage. So <laughs> now that I'm like mostly just at home all the time anyway, I was like, I think now's the time to just to try it out. You know, like I'm not, I'm not doing much like public stuff anyway. So yeah, like, you know, going out to an office or anything like that. So yeah, cool. Um, are you ready? Like, yeah. if I just throw the podcast at you just Hell to start. Yeah, okay. So. You could use those headphones if you want. I like using the headphones because it makes me feel like I'm in a real studio. Makes me feel like I'm at a radio station. Yeah. Do I need to turn this? Yeah, so it's just, um, yeah, you should get, like, pretty close to the microphone. And I'll check this and see if Hello. Oh, this is so disorienting for me. Yeah. (laughs) You get used to it, though. Can you hear yourself okay? Yeah, yeah, I can. Cool. Okay, so we will just, like, get started on the podcast i'm gonna adjust this um so i normally like to start the podcast uh just having you introduce yourself um i'm sure you like may have listened to an episode yes yes so if you can introduce yourself and tell the listeners who you are and why you're on a podcast called songwriters therapy uh i'm luhan sihadeen and i help run the sacramento songwriter circle in addition to making my own music cool perfect um so f- I think I may have seen you say something about like Luhan Sihadin is like your stage name, right? But you're, you go by... I usually just go by Hadin, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, just to make it easier for people also mm-hmm. because there's... Uh, I forget if it's K-pop or J-pop, but there is someone else whose name is just Luhan. And I'm like, just to make it less confusing for yeah. everybody. So Yeah. And is that like your given name or is that a chosen name? Um, It's sort of both. So it's a, like I come from a multicultural family. Mm-hmm. Um, so I like to say it's just kind of like the more tremorified version because it's a nickname that my grandpa used to call me when I was a kid. Okay. Um, and so I wanted to have that one instead of like, I guess like my legal name because there are a couple of different people who have like, <laughs> it's not the same spelling, but yeah. phonetically it's like the same name who are already like fairly famous. And mm. then there is someone with the same spelling who is like a telenovela star oh, nice. and who also has like the same, like if you look at like my legal first and last name, it's the same as hers. And I was like, this is just going to be way too confusing for people. I want to make sure it's like all separate and people aren't like finding the wrong thing. Yeah. Yeah. That, um, I have a friend whose name is Adam Messinger oh, no. and, uh, and I guess that's the name of some like famous producer for like Britney Spears and mm-hmm. other people. And so, and, uh, he plays solo when he does music, and so he goes by Adam S. Messinger. And I'm like, I'm not sure if it like changes very much. Like, it helps a little yeah, bit. Yeah, yeah. Um, but is there uh, also um, is there like uh, a meaning behind your name as far as like a uh, translation or something? Yeah, yeah. So um, or anglicized. Anglicized. <laughs> yeah. So um, if you translate it, it's actually a sentence. Um, mm-hmm. So it because of just the way the grammatical structures work. Um, 
so it comes out to in English comes out to Hadin is scared, or you can also say frightened, mm. um, because when you spell Luhan with an H like that in Chamorro, that's what it means. It means like being afraid or being scared or frightened. Um, and the reason why I picked that was because the first song I ever wrote, um, which is called Polka Dots, um, I actually wrote it about being afraid of the dark and how I got very easily scared by literally i think the channel at the time was called biography mm-hmm. but there's this channel called biography that for some reason played like a lot of ghost stories and i would literally like run to my bed like slam the light off and like hide under the covers like they can't get me under the covers it'll be fine so, that's that's awesome yeah. as, as someone who likes dark things too i love that like is frightened um uh we have a friend uh and their name is fright too so i just like <laughs> spooky sounding things oh we'll get along yeah yeah <laughs> Cool. Um, I love it. Thanks for like the, the great intro there. Um, so also I like to start out kind of like getting like your origin story. Like how did you go from someone who was just a a person living life to going like, I need to, or I want to be a musician and play songs and write songs. Like what's your origin story? Uh, I had a very like creative elementary school which I was really lucky to have I had an elementary school that had like early morning guitar classes like like a guitar club basically before school would start and then it also had like a dance team a choir band and then on top of band there was a separate thing called music class which was it's not like music theory it it, a lot of it was just like hanging out and like playing like musical games most Mm -hmm. of which were like singing based yeah um and so like i had like a very creative elementary school um i didn't really do anything in middle school and then when i got to high school there was i i I tend to explain it to people as like a rock band club now um yeah it was called like b sharps which is kind of an (laughs) overused name but you know um it's in the simpsons too i know sharps (laughs) yeah so i would um originally i was just part of b sharps but Mm -hmm. then i was uh eventually i think i ended up being an officer i think i was a sec the secretary so i would like keep the the minutes or like the meeting notes and then I was also in charge of checking people's because it was like a public high school I had to check people's lyric sheets to make sure like whatever song they submitted didn't have swearing or wasn't Mm. like (laughs) locked out of heaven by Bruno Mars because we had to be careful about what we could get away with without getting you know the club shut down yeah um so that was pretty fun And then the time I really started making my own music was because um, basically someone threw me up on stage at an open mic. Mm -hmm. Um, It was like a coffee shop in uh, Orangeville. But so I just happened to be there because at the time I worked in Orangeville and it was literally like a mile away from where I worked. So I was like, oh, I might as well just go after work, see what people are doing. And then someone noticed that I was like they have like a house guitar there and they Mm -hmm. noticed I was just like chilling in the back room fiddling with it. So they signed me up because they knew my name and they were like calling my name, like I go up and I was like, why am I here? (laughs) Um, So that was like really stressful for me, but it was really good because it sort of, you know, forced me to get out of my shell in a very, Mm. you know, it was kind of like getting shoved in the deep end of the pool. Um, And then I started going to, um, it was called homemade songs at the time which is like a basically it was like an open mic but only original songs were allowed yeah so so just like an open mic you know you sign up on the sheet but your songs like all the songs were original so it tended to have that yeah it tended to have a smaller crowd yeah um so definitely the place where i really started writing was uh homemade songs at fig tree and that was i think technically considered part of songwriter circle but it was like getting run by someone else it was like Mm. it was like before i was running anything so i'm not 100 percent sure (laughs) um and that's kind of where i got 
started is just someone randomly decided to be like, hello, it is your turn to go. And I was like, what are you talking about? I didn't, I didn't write my name down anywhere. <laughs> Do you remember what you played that first time? Um, I didn't play one of my songs because, you know, like I wasn't expecting to yeah. be thrown up there. Yeah. I played um, Sirens by Cher Lloyd because it's a very like, a lot of her songs are kind of like party songs, breakup songs, very mm-hmm. poppy, but Sirens is very like, there's something really nice about it. Like it's kind of got this sort of softer, friendlier, sad side, um, which was very odd for Cher Lloyd of all people, but I really liked the lyrics. So I was like, well, this is pretty easy. It's like a, it's like an E minor and a G and a capo and I can put this together in like five seconds sort of thing. Mm-hmm. So. Cool. So you kind of like got your uh, your start or your boost like doing these um, open mics and songwriter and stuff like that. Like, what did that evolve into for you? Like, what uh, what's your like um, uh, I guess like best experiences after that? Like um, recordings or or like big show or shows that you're you're proud of or anything like that. Um, I would say I suck at recording. Like I literally was trying to record this morning and I got so frustrated with it. I just gave up. I understand. Yeah. I I actually had a friend ask me, um, not last night, but like Saturday night. And he was like, why don't you put out more music? Like you have all these songs and most of them are just up on your YouTube or Mm -hmm. nowhere and people have to go see live. And I was like, because I'm so bad at it. It took me three months to figure out like, why my interface settings weren't right and like not Mm. picking up sound and then once I finally figured it out you um he called it like red light fever I just got like so stressed out every time we recorded like I would always mess up yeah I I always say or I always been feeling this way recording yourself is way harder than recording someone else um like I've tried for years to record myself and the only reason like any of my bands or myself have like anything that is like that I'm proud of is because I was like okay I'm just gonna go go pay someone to record us um and like now I've been recording other bands and I love the way they sound when I record them but I hate I've still have been having a hard time like it's I just can't do it it's so hard (laughs) yeah I totally get that um in terms of shows um for my own shows I was super proud last year well I didn't mean for that to be a pun, but it kind of is. Um, <laughs> I organized a pride show last year um, in June, nice. obviously. Um, and that was super fun. And it was really cool because it was the first show that I had like sold out. Like I organized it. Mm. It sold out. It actually technically oversold, um, but a couple people weren't able to come and they were like, it's OK. You can just keep the ticket money. And I was like, are you are you sure I can refund you? And they were like, no, it's fine. I was like, all right, oh, cool. Wow. Um, and I think part of that was I try really hard to be like, very mindful of my lineups mm-hmm. like when I yeah. both for like songwriter circle when like you know all the coordinators chat and we try to like pick people but then also for like my own shows I try to be mindful of like like there's an element of obviously like popularity to it because you want people to come to the show but I also try to be mindful of like who am I including you know and like who am I like giving the mic to and who am I not and so I was really I really was very happy about the pride show because it was um Autumn Sky Hall, Mateo Briscoe, mm. myself, uh, Brie Carmel from Blooming Heads. Um, 
And then Casey Shane was also supposed to play, but he got sick, like, literally the day before. Surprisingly not COVID, like you would think, but Mm -hmm. no. Um, It was, like, bronchitis or something. So then I had to, like, frantically try to replace him with... uh, I ended up replacing him with Sarah Rywich, which was really cool because she had been planning on coming anyways. And I saw that she had bought a ticket, and I was like, let me just refund your ticket. You'll be one of my performers if that's cool. And she was like, oh, yeah, I'm totally down. And she was was so wonderful because she literally had, like, less than 24 hours notice. Wow. And she did an amazing set and I was like thank you for being dependable (laughs) (laughs) that's awesome um so like it could have been you know like it could have been a train wreck with so Mm -hmm. many different moving pieces and all these different people coming in but it went really smoothly and so I was quite happy with it so awesome where was that at um it actually doesn't run as a venue anymore Mm -hmm. um but I have really good luck with art studios yeah maybe it's because I'm like that like singer songwriter vibe Mm -hmm. Um, but this one was at Tailored Mind Studios, which is on J Street in Sacramento. Mm-hmm. So I think it's not running as a music venue anymore, but it still is like an, an art, art studio. studio. Yeah, like you can go and you can buy art or I think they might do like paint nights, like yeah. that type of thing. But it's pretty cool. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, I was having this discussion among this like circle of musicians from Stockton Um a few months ago we were talking about like Stockton venues because I think someone was like hey I've got a band coming into town like what's what's a good venue and they were like well there's there's quite a few venues in Stockton right now but like the problem with them is like a lot of them you have to pay like a lot of money to just like rent out and there's some that are like reliable but if they're you know or cheaper but are they open that night but someone brought up this really good point um the like anywhere is a venue yeah if you could like negotiate it Mm -hmm. you know what I mean and and I think I think it depends on like the type of music you're playing too um because like obviously if you're playing like metal or something loud (laughs) not you know it's gonna be a lot harder for you in some ways but I will say when I was younger a lot of metal bands ended up playing at like like garages like not like house garages but like you know industrial like where they work on cars and stuff like that. So they just negotiated it, right? But I guess as like uh, like the singer-songwriter circles, um, you know, that I think that's one of their, uh, like the benefits of being part of those is you could like play in a coffee shop or an art studio and and people will generally like be like, yeah, of course you can come, come play here. Yeah, usually um, I don't think I would be able to organize as many shows as I have, which I wish I could have done more, but it was hard because we were trying to get started mm-hmm. when a lot of venues still weren't allowed to be open yeah. um, without that whole splitting the door thing. Like mm-hmm. if I didn't have that, I wouldn't be able to run things basically. Like it's kind of dependent on it. And so it does yeah. kind of, it's unfortunate like Stockton doesn't have a similar thing. Yeah. Do you do like... Um, pre-sales uh, more often because it seems like that show you said you had a pre-sale that was the only time I did it which is why mm-hmm. I haven't done it since because like it was very difficult for me to basically be the door person yeah and the performer at the same time and so now I just do like day of and yeah. I'll tell people that they can um f- for example for so- um for songwriter circle um for the Sacramento one anyways um I tell people that they can just Venmo the venue and they just need to like label it Mm -hmm. because the thing about uh, musical injury is it has multiple things all the time. And so if you don't label it, they might just assume it's a donation because they're a nonprofit. Mm -hmm. Um, So I always tell people to label it and that can be like their pre-sale ticket. But that way I don't have to worry about for the Pride show. I had to like, I was so proud of myself. I made like the tickets on Canva. Oh, awesome. And oh, I, like, I love Canva. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I like manually emailed them to each person. That's cool. Um, 
because I wasn't running it through like Eventbrite or anything because yeah. I didn't really know if it was going to go well. And I was kind of trying to avoid as many service fees as I could yeah. get away with yeah. not having to do. And so basically people would like PayPal me like their ticket funds. And I then would like email them the ticket, which worked okay until, you know, everybody's super last second in the last 24 hours. I got so many and then I was like, oh my God, this is so stressful to yeah. do like manually, like one by one emails. It's just not worth it. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Yeah, it seems like you have like a, a lot of experience, not just as like a musician, but also like as an organizer and like a community leader. Um, so I think it like definitely gives you must give you like an interesting perspective on like, um, I don't know, even even like creating your own your own music and stuff. Yeah, I I listen to a really wide range of genres, though I don't feel like a lot of them come out in my own music, which mm-hmm. is mainly due to like my own lack of skill yeah. in certain areas. Uh, like, for example, I've been trying really hard to, um, like you said earlier, like singer-songwriter circle, but actually one of the big things I've been working on kind of like behind the scenes is trying to reach out to like the rap and hip hop scene in Sacramento Mm -hmm. and let them know like, Hey, you're totally welcome here. You can come here because unfortunately for them, a lot of venues will just dismiss them automatically. And I hate that. I'm like, that's so unfair. Like just because, you know, one person at some point behaved really badly, you're Mm going to totally knock out an entire genre. So I actually really love rap. I actually love hip hop, Awesome. which people don't realize because I cannot rap. So Mm -hmm. they just don't realize that that's a thing. Um, I actually quite like, um, like nerdcore and anime rap. Um, oh man. I loved nerdcore when I was younger, like MC Lars. Yep. Yeah. yeah. I'm going to a mega ran concert very soon. I'm very excited. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, but yeah, as an organizer, I see how like hard it actually mm-hmm. is to book things. And it also, it makes me more, I guess, sympathetic to the venues because yeah. I totally understand how when you book someone like not as an individual, but like as a group, as an organization, you have to understand that their actions and like to a certain extent, like their lyrics, their content, they're going to reflect back on you. Yeah. And so you have to be a little more like, I don't want to say you don't have to go through everything with a fine tooth comb, but you do want to like watch out for stuff. Like if you hear like rumors about like, oh, this person's always late or like, Mm -hmm oh, this person like always shows up with a joint in their hand. So maybe you don't want to book them for the all ages venue type yeah. of thing. So that's, yeah. that's definitely more what I'm conscious of in that department. Definitely. Yeah. One of the things I always think about, like in any like business venture that I'm trying to do, whether it's like, it's like the website that I'm working on now or like anything I did in the past or even like booking shows um, is like, I always have these two words in mind. I always want to be like ethical mm-hmm. and sustainable. Yes. And I always say that like, you know, when, especially when it comes to booking shows like ethical, like I want to give, uh, multiple people with multiple backgrounds, uh, whether it mean that means that, you know, it's like, um, I don't want like a show that's like stacked full of like cishet men, yeah, (laughs) like, like a lot of shows, um, or, you know, or like all white people, um, or, uh, or all experienced bands that have been part of this scene for like years right and like not give new people who've never played a show a a chance so I always try to think about that Um, but then I also try to think about like sustainability like do I want to continue to have shows well I can't book someone who's going to ruin it for everyone I can't book some someone who or I can't book you know 10 full bands because that's just not sustainable right like I always try to say 
three bands is like the perfect size show for for me because I do book like full bands when I do things. So I always think about those two words, like am I being ethical in how I'm booking this? And am I also like setting up something that will um, create something sustainable that can continue to happen into the future? Yeah, totally. So it some, sounds like you do that too. Sorry. Y- yeah. No, no, you're yeah. totally right. So I was going to say the something that we kind of um, like do for Sacramento Songwriter Circle is we kind of deliberately try to choose people who are, like you were saying, like this is kind of a beginner, like this is someone who's new, maybe hasn't played that many shows. Mm-hmm. Um, this is someone who's kind of in the middle, like is maybe more experienced or maybe is like popular, but perhaps in like a different area and not mm-hmm. in SAC. And then like, kind of a person who's almost like the anchor slot or yeah, like yeah, the headliner. The anchor, yeah. And so someone were like, okay, this person's definitely going to have like a big draw and they're definitely going to be dependable. And so that way when you have all three, especially because the format of it, of, you know, like going one song, then another song, then a song, then repeating, then it's nice because then it, you know, it, it makes people stay the whole time. And then also for, um, since I also help with girls rock Sacramento, like I got to book the lineup for that, which was really fun because I was, like they were very clear about like, you know, we want to make sure our lineup really like reflects Sacramento and reflects mm. like a lot of different people. And so it was harder than I thought it was going to be to book yeah. it. But that may also be because of the time it's at. Cause it's like a, it's like a lunchtime show mm, mm-hmm. and a lot of people have work, yeah. but I was, I was quite happy with like basically getting, they, they'd already picked one performer and then they were like, you have free reign to pick the other three. Like, just tell us you want to pick and hey we can even like pay them a set amount and I was like oh my god that's so nice like I'm so used to having to tell people like depends on the door but it's really nice to be like I will pay you this much and it's just like oh it's so Mm -hmm. good (laughs) that's awesome yeah I especially like what you're saying about like your songwriter circle uh getting like the almost these different like experience or tier levels and you were saying like maybe there's someone who like has experience but is not from Sacramento because that's one of the things I, I really like to focus on, like everything I, I book, especially like we, we've done this like string of house shows is I always say I need at least one not Stockton band mm-hmm. because like the Stockton bands are going to obviously going to draw. But um, one of the things that I feel like are missing from a lot of other shows in this area are it's just all the local bands that are always playing all the time and like, well, I love those bands because they're awesome and they're my friends. Um, I, I always try to bring in like a Bay Area band or a Sacramento band and so far I've been successful in, in that. So it's been really nice. Yeah. We we're just starting up again with the, like, we kind of call it like the touring slot, mm-hmm. like this month for, uh, May. So, cause we were doing three just because we weren't totally sure how it was going to go. Cause we kind of moved venues and then like right as it seemed like we were getting settled in, that was like when Omicron happened and they were like, oh crap. <laughs> and then, then it kind of reopened. So like last month was kind of like our test runs we were mm-hmm. like we're just going to do three we're going to do three all sacramento people or like you know relatively nearby because this is just is going to get too wild type of thing we don't want it to get too wild yeah. is probably more what i mean but then for may we were like you know what if we can you know get people to answer us because actually that's one of the hard parts is you'll like dm people you'll call people you'll email them and then like they just don't answer and it's like i am trying to book you yeah <laughs> um, yeah so if everybody gets back to us like and you know, agrees to like the venue's terms, then we're, we're going to have four next month and we're going to bring back that touring spot. I really want to tell you who's touring, but it hasn't been confirmed yet. So oh, okay. <laughs> I'll, I'll look out for it. Yeah. I feel like that's, it's kind of a, a funny thing right now with, um, with booking or, or even like, uh, providing a service to musicians because like communication is so odd. Cause we have all these different, like 
venues of communication like i think for music it's like predominantly instagram right now Mm -hmm. but then within instagram i've noticed there's like three different inboxes that i have and i always forget about the ones that aren't my primary ones so i'll find someone messaged me like weeks ago and it's you know maybe it's asking me a question about music or like hey do you want to play this and i'm like oh my gosh like i i kind of (laughs) like I missed this opportunity and I'm not giving making excuses because some people might just like read it and not care but um but for the most part you know like I think I think it's kind of hard to like bridge that gap of communication especially with the tools we have yeah so it's because everybody uses something different yeah but then everybody may not check everything like Mm -hmm. frequently because sometimes it feels like for my Instagram especially having run like the songwriter struggle Instagram sometimes it feels like I'm chained to it like I must check it every day sometimes multiple times a day if it's like you know show day because people always there's always something last second that comes up it's just mm-hmm. like guaranteed it's always like ah. yeah or, or some people have like multiple instagram accounts like they have a personal one and a music one sorry ig- ignore what i'm doing right here i'm just trying to like oh, adjust good. this recorder okay <laughs> um but yeah it, it could be could be like multiple instagram thing could be anything um so uh, I kind of wanted to shift a little bit in the conversation if we can For and sure. ask you a bit about more about songwriting and if you could talk about like your songwriting process, like uh, walk me through how how you go from like nothing to an idea to something that you're ready to perform in front of people. Uh, so it depends on the song, um, but a lot of the songs that I like have were actually originally poems from mm-hmm. when I was in high school because I had like a creative writing class and we had like a poetry unit. So I just wrote a lot of poems during that unit. And I also did a little bit during college too. And so a lot of like my first songs were basically just, I'm just going to take this poem I did, create a chorus and then set it to music, um, which is what I did with traffic. And then for other things, I am one of those people that tends to start with lyrics first. Yeah. Every time I've tried to start with music first, like I just cannot do it. Like I just feel like I come up with stuff that feels really forced or doesn't fit right. Like Mm -hmm. for me, it's much easier to be like, this is what I'm trying to say. And here's some lyrics. And I actually like a giant, like master Google doc of every single random like line I've ever written. That's awesome. Yeah, like things that maybe didn't fit in songs, but I thought mm-hmm. sounded cool. Um, and kind of as I'll go throughout the day, I will, if I have kind of a melody idea with the words, I have like a little voice recorder on my phone mm-hmm. and I'll record it or I have like a little notepad app on my phone and I'll write them down there. And then I try to, you know, transfer it over to the master doc as I have time. Like, okay, I'm going to transcribe this now. And sometimes I'm like, that's kind of, eh. and then sometimes I'm like, oh yeah, that's really good. And it's just kind of, <laughs> it just kind of depends on what it is. So then I put it in the master doc. And then if I'm like feeling stuck on a song, like if I've started writing a song where I'm like, I don't really know where to go next type of thing, then I'll go to the master doc and I'll might, I might just control F it for certain words. Cause it's really big. <laughs> that's cool. Yeah. And so, and if I can't control F it, then I'll just read through it and be like, all right, what in here? might fit and then Mm -hmm. i'll just kind of copy and paste as needed yeah and then from there that's when i start kind of going more into chord territory i'm in like looking up like all right how does the circle of fifths work again (laughs) and um depending on the song i'll either be figuring out on ukulele or on guitar and it really honestly it's mainly just because of e major because it's really hard to play e major on ukulele so Mm -hmm. if a song has an e major i just automatically will go to guitar yeah um and actually a big reason why i learned ukulele was because i was lazy and i got frustrated with trying to learn how to play f like f major Mm -hmm. on guitar so i literally just learned ukulele so i could play more songs with f in it yeah so um 
Do you uh, do you play? Sorry, like a little bit of a sidebar. Do you play soprano ukulele mostly? Yes, yeah. And so that's G C E A. Yeah, the tuning. Yeah, okay. the the G is is higher than the the C. Yeah, like the C is like yeah. lower. Yeah, yeah. I have um have I think it's called an alto u- ukulele. So it's like a little bit longer scale, a little bit bigger than a soprano, and I love it. Um, but the tuning is D G. B E. That sounds like a baritone ukulele, actually. It might be a baritone. That's okay. Yeah, because yeah. there's. I mean, like, not that I'm saying there isn't an alto ukulele. Yeah, I might just be making that up because yeah. I know it's like it's like they're like name they're like voiced after you know different voice it's, segments like qu- uh, in a choir. Yeah, yeah, it goes um soprano, which is what I have. Mm-hmm. So people also just will call it like Hawaiian because it's like the old school version, yeah. or sometimes people call it jumping flea, which like refers to the tuning. Um, oh yeah, yeah. Yeah, and then tenor, which is a little bit bigger. It's a similar tuning. The difference is that the it's like the G is lower than the C, so it's kind of closer to traditional. You know how most instruments like the lowest note is you know the first one there and then goes baritone which i know has a different tuning which is why i think that that's a baritone yeah it might be a baritone might be a tenor actually too i'd have to look it up but yeah i think i was wrong it was not an alto (laughs) um yeah one of the things that uh i think is really interesting about the way you describe your writing actually there's a lot of things i love about that but um like myself personally and a lot of people that I've talked to on the podcast are very like music first. Like they'll come up with a like chord or a riff that they really like and start singing over it. Um, and I, I don't know. It's so interesting to me when people write uh, lyrics first, whether it's like as a poem or just write it down first, because I'm like, you must have like such a good grasp of like meter and the mechanics of words, because to me, it's so it's so hard to like try to fit music to words and unless they have like a beat to the words already like you have to have the right amount of like syllables in order to land on the like timing of the music you know yeah so I think that that actually comes from in high school I had like an Edgar Allan Poe phase Mm. which was like egged on by my I think it was like my sophomore English teacher because we had this unit where you could basically analyze whatever poems you wanted but you had to like all pick one person and Mm. so I was like I'll just pick Edgar Allan Poe and so that was the thing is I tended to I tended to gravitate towards poetry that had really strict meters yeah like every usually every line would be the same sort of flow yeah and maybe like the last one would be different and so I think a lot of my songs reflect that is they tend to be like very strict in terms of like the amount of beats and the Mm -hmm. amount of like syllables per word and when I write I often will go like one two three four like I will literally count the syllables yeah to make sure they line up right um and I've and like even if there aren't the same on every line like I'll keep them the same for like stanzas or I guess like verses so if mm-hmm. i'm like okay if verse one is going like seven syllables ten syllables nine syllables then so is so is verse two and that's yeah. how i kind of keep it cohesive yeah and the the other thing i like about the way you describe your writing style is i i feel like i always say things are like academic when they're like well planned but <laughs> i i don't like i don't want to say that but i will say that you have like a very well planned process it's very um Uh, like efficient in a way like you have these documents that you can like search within and like find something that like the category of this line will will match into something you put it in and then you also are thinking about like uh, music from a little bit of a theory perspective where you're actually looking at the circle of fifths and seeing like which chords go where 
Um, so I just really love that whole process. It's very, it seems very like, um, efficient. Yeah. I, I feel like for me, it's like, if I don't narrow down what I'm doing, I kind of will just sit there like, what am I supposed to do again? <laughs> like I have to have somewhere to start. Like it's almost like a roadmap to follow. Mm-hmm. I do, I do sometimes just try to like jam and play chords that I think sound good. Yeah. And I might come up with like, you know, strumming patterns I like or melodies I like, but then every time I've done that, I can never find the right words mm-hmm. for it. So I have just so many random like tabs of like, this sounds really cool. And I'm like, and I am never going to be able to figure out what to say on top of it. Yeah. So, so you have words written, like how do you like, how do you decide on the chords for those words? Like, how do you, uh, even like the first chord before you start saying like, okay, this is going to be in this key and I'm looking at this theory thing. Straight up trial and error. Yeah. Like this is, this is where it gets inefficient. Okay. Is I will literally be like, oh, this, like the I, I think I'm going to sing this like this. And then I will try to play a chord and I'll see if it like sounds mm. awful or if it like sounds okay or if it sounds really good. Yeah. <laughs> Cause I don't have like, like I don't, I don't, I never know which notes I'm singing mm-hmm. sort of thing. So I just kind of guess. Um, and so I'll be like, I feel like this, this feels sad. Mm. Maybe it's a, like a F minor or I'm like, this feels happy. I feel like D is happy. Let me try that real quick. And I will literally just like, cycle through different chords and see what fits yeah that i think that that seems like pretty like on par with a lot of people though you know no one knows no one knows where to start yeah when, when it comes down to it yeah um so when it comes to like song content like when you when you are sitting down to like write words like what where do you like draw inspiration from what gets you to the point where you want to like put pen to paper and and go like this this song is about this thing or something like that. Um, I tend to write when I'm like upset. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like that's the honest truth. Like it was kind of like a way for me to deal with things. Um, every time I've tried to write a happy song, people are like, it's, it's okay. Can you play the sad one again? Yeah. Like I've literally had that happen to me at open mics where I'm like, here's the sad one. Here's the happy one. Everybody's like, we want the sad one. And I'm like, okay, that's fine. Um, for me though, I did give myself when I was like first starting to write, I gave myself a rule, which I actually really liked, which for every time I noticed that I tended to write songs about like other people or how I felt about other people, um, kind of a side effect of a bit of like a chaotic, I guess, like love life, mm-hmm. relationship life at the time. Um, and so I was like, okay, so every time that I sit down and I write a song about someone else or like my relationship with the person, then I need to go and force myself to sit down and try to write a song about some Thing else or like something that's not related or maybe a bit of a different mm. topic so mm-hmm. it's like half of my songs are like love songs breakup songs and the other stuff is and the other half is just like whatever is not that so it's kind of like it's divided yeah. in the middle in a weird way that seems like a good balance though do, do you feel like that um do you feel like that makes you uh like number one better as a songwriter but also feel better as like a human being yeah it definitely forces me to expand my perspective because it's like mm-hmm. yeah i could write another song like yelling at someone for how they screwed me over or I can write the song about like how happy I am that like my friend has moved back here you know Mm -hmm. so it's like having like you said like that balance it works pretty well I think yeah I think I've I've chatted about people on this podcast about this specific thing too but I I feel like humanity is drawn to sad songs because (laughs) like even if you're a happy person like everyone goes through something and that's part like even why this song uh this podcast is called songwriter therapy because like we emote and like work through problems through our songwriting. And then 
people who might not be songwriters do they mirror that as song listeners right like Definitely. they want to find something that they identify with and like i said even if they're if they're feeling great at the time they're like I understand that. Like, I've definitely felt that way about someone in my life, like, you know, preach or something like that. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I do think part of it, too, is I was trying to get at one point. I tried really hard to write. To, um, they're called briefs. Like, mm-hmm. the, the, Yeah. Um, I tried at one point really hard to write to briefs because I was really interested in doing like sync licensing for music. Yeah. But it's just it's so difficult for me because it's like I'm not really one of those people that can just be sit down and be like, I'm going to write a song about this and it's gonna be this genre and it's gonna be like this it's like no i just kind of sit and write it whatever happens happens like Mm -hmm. i I thought it would help me a lot being more directed by the briefs but i really i'm really bad at that (laughs) yeah i've i've never tried writing songwriting to briefs but like another sidebar because you said something about sync licensing sync licensing is such a hot topic right now like i know almost nothing about it other than just the general like you know people are trying to like find songs for uh for content right like podcast music whatever you know whatever they want to pay someone to use their song in like that's as far as i know but i like as a songwriter who uses the internet i've been targeted by every single like sync licensing tool uh course youtube channel all of that out there it's uh, must be such a hot topic right now it, it can be a really good way and a really sustainable way to, to make a living. And that's mm-hmm. why there's so much stuff out there about it. Like I know people who that's, that's how they pay their rent that's is awesome. they get like a song on like Batwoman or like <laughs> there's someone I know who has like a song on like the governor's podcast. And then like, you know, they ride the money and the royalties from that, or it's like called like the cue sheet for a long time. Because the cool thing about TV shows is like, you get paid for the use like up front, but then you also get paid like, for example, if like your show that it got on was on Netflix, mm-hmm. you would get paid every time someone streamed that episode with that song in it. So if it's like a really popular show, yeah, you could make so much money off of it. Yeah. One, one of the things that I'm, man, maybe I should research sync licensing more, but I can help you with that. It's, it's, just, <laughs> it's a awesome. much, it's a much longer conversation. Um, I can help yeah. Um, one of the things that I, I'm like, was different from when I was young and a creative person, like, uh, you know, cause I grew up like doing art and music, um, versus today and the opportunities that we have as like creative people have today is like content is king today. And there was some, some guy, like probably some weird, like investor guy that like, I don't really like that much, but like I, that comes across my, like my plate, um, was saying that like, if you like, if you're a creator today, you're like the most valuable, uh, it's, it sounds so bad to say that about people, but like that, like being a create, a creative is like a very valuable skill right now because, and not just music, but like all of these businesses are putting out content for all these different things and they need people who can like make things look great and make things sound great. You know, whether you're like mixing or writing songs or doing video editing or sound editing, all of these things are just like, um, the, the doors are so much more open today than they were, I feel like, 15 years ago when I was like, you know, younger. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the, the internet is definitely a huge part yeah. of that. Because it's like, yeah. the way I heard it described once is like, 
the like for example if you think about like advertising it's like advertising used to be like it was kind of a a megaphone yeah like people would just kind of yell at you from the billboard or the tv commercial or the radio and now it's more of like a two-way street Mm -hmm. um so it's like a telephone now instead of a megaphone and that's part of why they need more of that creativity to help keep people engaged now that we're so like oversaturated yeah yeah i love it but there's like there's all these different channels to like um like first of all like all the streaming tv shows but then there's like youtube and um i know like tiktok is super big right now like i i enjoy tiktok um but one of the one of the like the creators i really like on tiktok he's just like a science creator his name's hank green i love hank green yeah i love hank green shout out to hank green listen to my podcast hank <laughs> um but uh he like i saw him post something the other day that was like outside of science because he talks about other things too but he was like i literally he's like i literally pay someone to help me with tiktoks and i just want to give them a shout out and i was like it doesn't matter like where you are uh as far as like platform whether it's like netflix or youtube or even like tiktok that you know seems like something that's like someone's just like walking down the street recording but all of these places have creators that need other creators to even help them out so i don't know it's just an interesting time to be in we're in a very collaborative place which i really enjoy yeah definitely sorry that was like a really long sidebar from (laughs) from like songwriting and and content and stuff well that's part of it though is like it is it honestly at this point it is not unless you're like one of those like nashville songhouse people like yeah if you want to be like business wise if you want to be a songwriter like it is no longer possible to just you know sit in a room write the song pitch it behind the Mm -hmm. scenes like that's that's not enough like you need to like actually release a song just so people Mm -hmm. have like a sample you need to be showing that you know how to like promote and market you need to know how to use all those avenues that you just talked about so even though that's not actually the song writing part it's just as important for songwriters to know how to do it yeah yeah and one of the biggest things that i've heard nowadays like bringing up tiktok again is like uh like yeah you could be on spotify and all these other things but like if you want to really market yourself like the number one place right now is tiktok it seems like yeah. I, I don't know if you've if you've ventured onto there and, and done any any content, but I, I do have a TikTok. Um, for me, it was just not healthy for me. Like I would get sucked in for hours and of like watching content. Yes, yeah. yes. <laughs> I think that's the di- that's the the hard thing is like, uh, I, I'm I'm the same way. I always go like, oh, I'm gonna make a TikTok about this thing, and and like, uh, and then I don't do that. I end up like watching a bunch of TikToks. Yeah, for like five hours, yeah. and you're like, oh shoot, Oops, there goes my goes day my off. Day, yeah. um, but surprisingly, I've done stuff where I have recorded things like from live shows or mm-hmm. just like in my bedroom, and it'll be the exact same thing, and I will put it up um, on the three sort of like short form things, which are obviously TikTok, Instagram reels, and then YouTube shorts are kind of what it is right now. There's also Triller, but like I get the impression that- I don't even know what that is. I'm under the impression Triller is kind of like what Musical.ly, you know how Musical.ly was Musical.ly before it was TikTok. Yeah. I'm under the impression that Triller is kind of like Musical.ly, but for rap. Um, Mm -hmm. So that would explain why I'm not really like, I don't really think my audience is over there because I don't make rap music. Um, So I'll put stuff and it's the exact same video. Mm -hmm. And I'll put stuff on- instagram on tiktok and on youtube shorts and i always thought that like tiktok would be the one that would do really well but actually for me it's been the reels yeah it's, it's been i've, I've heard reels. that actually like i feel uh, from what i understand instagram is trying to invest a lot into improving the experience of reels because 
they're up against TikTok. And for a long time, TikTok had like the algorithm that like made things happen for people. And I think that's how it goes with, in technology is like, you know, you get really, really hot and then you start doing, you start realizing you have to moderate all of these things. So you start implementing all of these like uh, changes to your algorithm that was like the hot algorithm that worked. And it starts like kind of like destroying your fan base <laughs> or, or user base, I should say. Yeah. And then so here's this big company, you know, Meta, Facebook, whatever they are, that sees that TikTok's really hot. And so now they're introducing their version and they're like paying creators more because they have a creator fund for Reels, as far as I understand. And they're pushing the Reels um, in front of more people um, to try to promote that. But the the dark side of like the tech world is once like once Instagram Reels gets to the point where Instagram wants it to be, I don't think that engagement is going to be like as high. Like that's the sad thing. Oh yeah, it's definitely um, gonna tank. Yeah, I mean it's just like um the stories right like um stories used to be uh the like the copy of snapchat and then it got to the point where more people were watching stories than snapchat and so they started updating their algorithm about like which stories showed up for you rather than just like exactly like snapchat where it was like this chronological feed and now when i go to watch you know, stories. I'm not watching every single story. I'll watch it for like 30, a few of them for 30 seconds, then I get bored and I leave. And so <laughs> like there might be some, someone in my feed of stories that like I probably would have wanted to engage with that content. Or for me, when I'm on Instagram, I'm like looking for show flyers because with the website, I'm like trying to like post anything that someone else hasn't already posted. And I might miss it because the way the Instagram algorithm works now, it's like, it's not made for me. It's made for I don't know, for Instagram to get more ad revenue. Yeah, I mean, they do have like the following button now, which I like because I think if you switch to the following tab, it only shows you, at least for the posts, it does show you the posts in order, mm. which can be helpful. Yeah. But then you have to remember to actually switch to it. Yeah, yeah. It's a crazy world. <laughs> <laughs> um, so kind of switching back to songwriting, I'm wondering um, if you could tell me a little bit about like um, a song or maybe there's multiple songs, but at least like a song that has like a lot of like meaning for you. Maybe it's like your favorite song that you've written. Um, maybe tell me like a little bit about the process behind that song or and and the meaning if you're um, feeling open to talking about it. Yeah. So for me, I think that my favorite song and actually it seems to be a lot of like listeners favorite songs. Mm -hmm. So I should probably like actually record it. <laughs> um, oh, yeah. Um, is a song called Interwoven, mm -hmm. um, which I wrote about when... A lot of people will say this thing about Sacramento. We're like, oh, I have to leave Sacramento. It's so boring. There's nothing to do here. And I'm just like, that is not true. You just feel that way because you're like stuck with all your same like high school friends and you never expanded your horizons. Mm -hmm. um, but so when I kind of was in, I think it was like community college, a lot of my other, because I came from like a super like academic high school where people mm -hmm. were super like, I'm in the Ivy League and I have like a full ride scholarship. Mm -hmm. And I just was like, I'm going to American River College. That's nice. Um, and so a lot of my friends, you know, they're, they're really smart, or at least they're good at school in that way. And a lot of them moved away, like different states, different parts of the state, like like in California, but maybe in a different city. Um, or in a couple of cases, a few people went to like different countries for like study abroad. And I was just here, or I guess mm -hmm. in, in Sacramento, like I was still in California, still in like the same place where I was born. And it just kind of felt like I was a little bit sad 
but it made me realize like, well, I still love my friends. And there was one friend in particular. Um, and I was like, and I still want them to come back to visit me. And that's mm. kind of what interwoven is about. It's about kind of that idea of, um, the reason it's called interwoven is because there are a few different like cultures and myths that talk about like strings or weaving like with like the greeks you have like the three fates and like the string mm-hmm. of like life and then you have um i think it's more of like an asian legend it's like the red string of fate um and there's a few other ones actually like there's there's several and i was like i always hear like strings threads fate like together so i wrote the song about like how for me personally like i don't really believe in fate like you know people's choices are gonna lead them down whatever path they're gonna go down but like if that is true I I hope that like we get to see each other again. That's awesome. Yeah, and so yeah. so for me I really love that song because in a way it's like a love letter to Sacramento, but it's also mm-hmm. like a platonic love letter to my friends being like it's okay, like the door's still come open. You can you can come home. We can hang. It's chill. Yeah. Um and and people seem to like it too, which is a nice bonus. Um so for that song I wrote like half of it by myself and then like I had like a bit of a co-write session with someone else which he definitely didn't understand the point of the song at first Mm -hmm. because the way the song goes like in the chorus is like if there's something pulling the strings I hope they let go and you come back home to me right which is like that yeah Yeah. thank you (laughs) feels good when people when you have approval um, from an external source um and so he came up with the melody for that, but the words he originally had on it were like, I hope you come back and like crawl into bed with me or something. And I was like, dude, no, that's not, yeah. it's not that type of vibe. <laughs> yeah. Like this is not about like trying to get your ex back. Like that is like the incorrect vibe. Like mm-hmm. not to say that it was bad, but like, so I, I definitely, he helped me a lot with like learning. That song was kind of a learning experience with me because he, my co-writer was teaching me about different like voicings for like different chords. And it was like kind of my first time, not mm. just being on, you know, like the first three frets of the guitar. Yeah. Um, so it was like, as a songwriter, I felt like I was growing by like, you know, trying to co-write with someone for the first time. And then also as a musician, it was like, I was learning different things from that co-writing session. And then it was a nice bonus that people seemed to end up liking the song too. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Yeah. I love that. Um, okay. So uh, you said you haven't recorded that song and, and no pressure, but like this is the <laughs> point in, in the podcast where I ask you, would you be willing to like play a song or two here? Yeah. Yeah. I totally, I totally can. If you have a guitar, I did not bring yes. one. <laughs> so I have guitars and I also have that ukulele if you want to try that, but it's probably not a tuning you're used to. Yeah. This, this song is on guitar. So okay, I can, cool. I can Do play you a guitar. acoustic? Yeah. Yeah. The song is, uh, it's usually played on acoustic guitar. I don't really play electric guitar. Like mm-hmm. I have one and I experimented with it with like, um, when I was learning about like drop D and mm-hmm. like power chords and I found that like really fun, but it, it just tends not to be like the vibe I go for. Yeah. Um, or I guess the vibe that seems to work for me. Cause sometimes mm-hmm. I'll try different things, but you know how you can kind of tell by like the way, like audience members react if something is working or not. It just, it never seems to work for yeah. me. <laughs> yeah. I understand. Um, okay. And so actually before we like pause and take a break and I set up some microphones, um, is like, number one, is there anything else you want to say to people who listen to this podcast? And number two, like, how can they find you and interact with you, um, on the internet or in real life? Um, so, uh, if you want to apply to play for Sacramento Songwriter Circle, you can go to at Sac Songwriter Circle on Instagram or pretty much anywhere else. 
um, and we've got like a little form and anyone can apply to it. Like we do tend to, you know, for obvious reasons, we prioritize people in like Sac City, Sac mm-hmm. County, but anybody can apply to it, especially now that we've got like that touring spot open, like just nice. saying. Um, and then for, I guess, like the younger crowd, I think that it's closed for this year. Um, but very soon uh, for um, I'm also a board member for Girls Rock Sacramento, um, which kind of runs like rock band camps and stuff. Um and so Big Day of Giving is coming up. So if you want to donate to that for Big Day of Giving, it's pretty cool because we started doing like scholarships. Um, so now there are a certain amount of people like every year who can go for free, which makes me really happy because I do feel like I, I try to run as many free things as I like you were talking about, yeah. about sustainability. Yeah. I try to do things for free as much as I possibly can while like not burning myself out and not like, you know, expending yeah. too much. Yeah. But so I would if you want to help us fund the scholarships, that'd be cool. <laughs> Um, so yeah. Uh, but yeah, so I'm at Wuhan Sihadin on Instagram. It's uh L U H A N S I H A D I N and pretty much everywhere else on the internet too. I try to keep things very consistent. Awesome. Yeah, that's the way to go. All right, cool. We'll pause and then we'll uh we'll find a guitar and figure out some recordings. Cool. This is interwoven. Love and home 
This is polka dots. I knew it was silly, but still I was scared by those creepy ghost stories on TV. I run to my room and I know to do and I couldn't catch a link so I told myself you got lots and lots of polka dots on your blanket you'll be fine you got the trains passing by late hear them and you'll be okay cause they go choo 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 you'll be Except for when I went to see midnight movies So I told myself You got lots and lots of polka dots On your blanket, you'll be fine You got the trains passing by late Hear them and you'll be okay Cause they go You've got 